we're in the book of John, chapter 5. Uh, book of John, chapter 5. And last week, if you weren't with us, and for some reason last week the uh, this message didn't record, so I'll kind of fill you in a little bit so we know what's going on. We'll read the text in a minute, but let me give you kind of an overview of it. There's, uh, uh, there was a, a man uh, in, in Jerusalem uh, that, that was an invalid. We, we think that he was probably lame, couldn't walk. And every day for 38 years, this guy goes by these pools, this pool of Bethesda, these pools outside the city where it is believed that an angel of the Lord would come occasionally and stir the water and whoever was the first one in the water would be healed of whatever disease or whatever ailment that they had. And so Jesus is passing by, sees this guy. And so there's been a, a key word we looked at last week was the word whosoever or whoever. And we kind of talked about God's, this, this concept that, that Jesus wants to save whosoever, uh, that he desires for, for, for whosoever to be saved. And so we spent some time talking about how, you know, anybody can be saved. And because anybody can save, God desires for everyone to be saved. Uh, and, and, uh, but there's only one who saves. And we talked about how God can save uh, whosoever. God can, God can reach whosoever, and God can use whosoever. And this week, we're going to take another word that we find in the passage. So John chapter 5, let's read it. We're going to begin reading in verse 2. And he says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, uh, which is one of the gates around the city walls of Jerusalem that people would come and go. But there was a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has, which has five roofed uh, colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, and waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease that they had. And so one man was there who'd been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he looks at the guy and he says, do you want to be healed? And so he asks this question, he says, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for your word this morning as we are each and every day. Lord, it is the, the, the word of life spoken into our hearts, spoken into our souls. As we read it, Lord, something in it comes alive. We know that your word is, is alive and powerful, um, that God, it can, it can cut us down even to, to separating bone and marrow. That God, that's how deep it penetrates our hearts and it penetrates our lives. Lord, we pray this morning as we are gathered here today, Lord, we know that there are some who can't be with us because of illnesses and, 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 and circumstances. Lord, we ask that you would be with them, Father. We pray if, if it's a physical need they have, Lord, that you'd bring healing to their bodies. We know that you can do that. God, if it is a mental or, or a, 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 an emotional need, God, that you would meet them where they are. And God, you would heal them and take care of them and provide for them the thing that they need, Lord. If it's a spiritual need, Lord, we pray, God, that you would just, again, that your word would, 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 would penetrate deeply into our hearts and into our lives, Lord, and that we would see the need that we have. And God, we know, we know because your word, Father, that you can deliver us from each of those things. Deliver us out of them, Lord. And, and Father, we just pray that you would move mightily in our midst this morning, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide through the text. 
that God, we would hear the things that we need to hear. And God, that you would just help us to cut down. I know for some of us, Lord, our minds can wander and, and we can get distracted. So God, I pray that you just help us to just focus in this morning and study and, 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 and reveal to us, Lord, the things that we need to hear. For it's in your name and for your glory, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. So last week we looked at whosoever. This week I want us to look at this idea of whatsoever. That if the person was the first one in the pool, that they would be healed of whatsoever ailment that they had. Now, now here's the thing. We're, we're looking at this and, and understand the pool is not what would bring healing. In fact, we see it with the guy. So you have this man who for 38 years, and this is something I want us to understand this morning, and, and maybe it might be the thing you need to hear. For 38 years, this man was looking at a pool of water to bring healing to his body. May not have been 38 years, but the guy was 38 years old and he, had an, a, 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 he was an invalid. But we can just say for a long time, Jesus knew the man had been sitting there for a long time, waiting on this, this pool of water to bring healing to him. And along comes Jesus. I think sometimes in our life, we, we have things in our life that, that are these pools that we think will bring healing. And if it's not this pool, then maybe it's another pool. And if it's not that pool, we'll go to another pool. When the person or the thing that we need to be looking to is Jesus. Like he's the one that ultimately that you and I need. And so I want, you know, using this idea of being healed of, of whatever disease they had, I want us to look and kind of, you know, elaborate on this a little bit this morning. And, and usually my sermons aren't this pretty, but I happen to be talking to a buddy of mine and, and he kind of made some tweaks to my sermon and I, I really liked them, so I kept them. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, Jesus can remove whatsoever, he can remove whatsoever. Now, this guy's particular thing that needed removed was his, was his infirmity. Like he couldn't walk, or at least we gather that. We don't know exactly what was wrong with him. We just know that Jesus tells him to take up his mat and walk, which leads us to think that it was some sort of physical ailment that prevented him from being able to walk. But God can remove, Jesus can remove whatsoever. I know sometimes in our lives, we let things kind of here's the thing we know. We know that Jesus can forget. Remove is a fancy word for forgive, right? That's all that, it, all that it is. All these are gonna be rewords this morning. We know that Jesus forgives. The problem is, is we have a hard time getting past those things. And we bring them up a lot. Like we'll think that God can't use us. Going back to last week, God can't use me because I did this. Some sin or some terrible thing you did or some what, some mistake you made or, or, or something that happened back then or some, some inability that you feel like you have so God can't use you because you can't do something or you think you can't do something. We have other times where, where we, just, we just, you know, we have a hard time letting go of that. It's not so much that we know God has forgiven us, but we can't forgive ourselves. So we kind of hold on to that and we keep that and we keep, you know, and we just, we, we constantly remind ourselves of some past failure and, and why maybe we don't deserve God's blessing or we don't deserve God's goodness or we don't deserve God's grace because I did that. Here's the thing. God, when God says, I forgive, 
Like, matter of fact, let me read some passages of scripture to you. First John 1, 9, I love this, but he says, if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that word cleanse kind of, you know, I, I think back to the Old Testament when I think it was Isaiah said something about that he will, though our, our sins be as scarlet, he will make them white as snow. So this idea of a, of a not just kind of, I, I, I think I might've said this last week, but I pulled some carpet this week or last week and, and you know, you can clean the surface of some carpet, but you pull that thing up and underneath, doesn't matter how much you clean, underneath that carpet where they weave that stuff together, you don't get that up. Or you pull it up and the carpet looks on the surface, you pull it up and the backside or the pad underneath the carpet's all nasty. That's not what Jesus, Jesus doesn't take some resolve or some hot spot or whatever that carpet cleaner is, spray it on there and just kind of lightly rub and pat and say, well, it, you can't see it anymore, so that's okay. We're good. He removes it. He, it's, it's like he can take it up from the very bottom and, and there's no sign of the, the, of, of the sin whatsoever. In fact, if we look somewhere else, he says in Psalm 103, he forgives all our iniquity that there's nothing he won't forgive. Hebrews 10, 17 says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. He won't even remember them. He says, I'm not even gonna hold these things against you. That's what it means when we come to faith in Christ and we trust him as our Lord and Savior and we're not looking to these other pools to do for us what only Jesus can, that's what we get is the, the removal, the forgiveness, the, 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 the total, I can't even think of any better words, like they're gone. He remembers them no more, he holds them against us no more. That we are truly set free. Whom the Son sets free will be free Indeed, and a lot of us live in this constant, uh, prison would be a great word, this weight, this burden, because we constantly remind ourselves of the things we did and not who we are in Christ Jesus and the future that God has for us, or even the present that God has for us. But Jesus can remove whatsoever. So, so let me ask you this, you know, and it's just a simple question, do you want to be made well? There's it, it, interesting, when he asked that, I, I, we say that, we say it's a question. Jesus asked the man a question. When Jesus looks at this guy and says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? He is not asking a question. It's got a question mark at the end of it, but he's making this guy an offer. It's not, so man, you want to be well? What guy is laying there on a mat? He's the scourge of society. No one pays any attention to him. Nobody helps him. He said, I can't get into the pool because someone either beats me there, I don't have anybody to carry me in. Nobody thought twice about these invalids. And here's Jesus, he says, do you wanna be made well? Not a question, of course the guy wants to be made well. And Jesus is saying, I can do this. Like I'm offering you wellness. I'm offering you healing. I'm offering you. If you need to be made well this morning, Jesus is the one that you need to come to. Doesn't come in a relationship, doesn't come in a, in a promotion, it doesn't come in, in, in possession, it doesn't come from, it comes from Jesus. We wanna be made well, he's the one we need to come to. But Jesus can remove whatsoever. Jesus can also redeem whatsoever. You see, it doesn't matter what you have done, Jesus still loves you. If that's the only thing you get this morning, that's the thing you need to remember. Does not matter what you've done, Jesus loves you and he has already redeemed you. 
He has already bought you back out of your slavery to sin by his death on the cross. That, that, that redeem means to, to buy back, to purchase. And it kind of had this idea of, of slavery and redeeming a slave, you know, kind of being able to set a, a slave free. And so you got this idea that, that he has already purchased for us our freedom. We just need to receive it. We just say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I accept this and I receive it. And Lord, just you know, be my Lord and Savior. Like, help me to live the way you want me to live and help me to be who you want me to be and help me to trust you the way that I need to trust you. But we have all cried that, that all, whatever it costs for our forgiveness, the price has already been paid. It doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how little. A big sin separates us from God just like a little sin does. And all of them have been, have been have, has, the price has been paid on all of it. And so we have been redeemed. I love, I love some of the passages that, that talk about this. Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And that word, now you want to talk about a key word, that according in, in, in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, according is a key word in that phrase. Because here's the deal. If I'm a rich guy and I give to you out of my riches, I can give you, I can be worth $10 million. If I give you 10 cents, I've given to you out of my riches. I've just given you a part, I've given out of it. But Jesus says, that, or we're told that Jesus gives according to his riches. So if I'm worth $10 million, I'm giving generously according to my riches. So instead of a dime, I'm giving maybe 10,000 or whatever the case may be, but I'm giving according. As my, as I, as my, as my uh, income increases, I'm giving according. So my, my giving increases. That's what that according means, that he gives according to his riches. The more mercy God has, the more mercy he gives away. And he doesn't keep any back for a rainy day. He just gives it and gives it freely and as, in, as, as, as we have need. And the same with his grace. But we see in, in Colossians chapter one, he says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we looked at this passage back through our Christmas series, Titus chapter two, verse 14 who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So we have been redeemed. Jesus can redeem whatsoever, but Jesus can also repair whatsoever. Now think about this guy, right? His, his body needed repaired in, 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 a, in, a, in a sense. And we, we look at it, he says, do you wanna be made well? Now here's the thing. Now this guy he wants to be healed, like he wants to be made well, but he's looking at this pool like it's the source. And look what he says, the man answered, and this is verse seven. Jesus says in verse six, do you wanna be healed? Do you wanna be made well? The sick man answers him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water's stirred and I'm going, when I, and, and, and while I'm going, another steps down in front of me. So it's almost like there's some, I don't, I don't want to call them excuses, but that's kind of what they are. Why are you, you know, do you, do you want to be made well? Yeah, and I've tried, but, but I just can't get down there soon enough. I can't for some reason. And I think about this idea of, of repairing, of God being able to fix what is broken. Of God being able to fix what is broken. And, and the verse that popped out to me, and I'm sure there's some verses that you can think of too, 
but it was the, Rome, the one in Romans chapter eight, verse 28. For God can make all things work to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That, that believe it or not, and, 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 and some of us have lived long enough to be able to experience this, that some of the mistakes we've made in our past can be the avenues through which, now this isn't an excuse for sin, this is just the way that God takes our bad decisions and can make them work out for the good, can take our mistakes in the past and he can, and through his, his, his way of, of transforming us, all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where maybe our mistakes and what God's done in our life since then gives us an opportunity to speak into the lives of someone else who's wrestling with the same thing. Now, we don't wanna go back and say, well, I'm, I'm happy I made those mistakes. You know, we, we're not always happy we make mistakes or we make bad choices, but there are times that God can use those, you know, can take those things, redeem those things, and use them for, for good later on down the, line, down the line. And so we always look for opportunities. Some people say, well, you know, my, uh, you know I, don't, I don't have a story. I don't have anything that Jesus has said, you know, that, you know, I don't have a story. I don't have this cool story where Jesus rescued me out of this dire situation. No, but you have a story and your story is the same story that someone else is dealing with and they need that story of your redemption and, and the removal of your sins and, and, and God repairing your life to help them get through this season of theirs. So don't be afraid to talk about how God redeemed you and how God brought you out of what you were dealing with because it wasn't a pool. It wasn't a 12-step program. It was Jesus. And so we use those things. He can repair. But the last thing I want to talk about this morning is this, that Jesus can restore whatsoever. And, and so I was kind of walking through this with Luke. And Luke said, what's the difference between repair and restore? I said, you can repair a car and not restore one. Think about that. My father-in-law loves old Broncos, you know, late 60s, early 70s Broncos. And he can repair one. He can get one driving, but he's not restored that thing. It's just, he could still be rusty and dented and everything else, but there's a big difference between just repairing one and getting it back on the road and restoring one in its entirety. And think about this guy. Here's this guy who, again, has been, has been invalid for, for, for 30, his whole life. He'd been by this pool forever. Jesus comes to him and he says, take up your mat and walk, and the guy walks away. Now, here's what I believe. I believe this man didn't walk away with a limp. I don't think Jesus just repaired him and said, eh, good enough, you can walk now. And he's, you know, just struggling to get by and, and really isn't in any better shape. I believe that that guy's legs or arms or whatever it was, back, spine, whatever it was that kept him on that mat was fully healed in an instant. And it wasn't because Jesus put him in the water. It said, Jesus looked at him and said, take up your bed and, and take up your mat, roll it up. And I want you to, and, and go, I want you to walk. And in faith, he does the thing that Jesus asks him to do. He rolls it up and he walks away. And I'm sure he was just as shocked as could be when those two legs or whatever it was, or his spine that was straight and it was strong and he was fully restored. He was made well. I got curious about that word made, you know, that healed. And, it, and, and if you look back in like the Greek text, it was talking about being made well or whole, like it wasn't a partial healing, it was a whole healing. Whatever was wrong with him was fixed. And Jesus can restore us. That there are parts of us that do not have to remain broken. 
We say, well, this is just the burden I bear for the things that I've done. That is a burden you are putting on yourself that Jesus is not putting on you. So walk in freedom, like allow God to use you. Don't let your, our past be the reason that, you know, we talked last week, God can use anybody. Your past does not keep you from being used. Your mistakes do not keep you from being used. God can restore and make well. And the scriptures are full of this imagery. Second Corinthians chapter five, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old is gone. Your sins are remembered no more. The old is gone. The new has come. Psalm 23, three, I love this. He restores my soul. He restores it. Colossians chapter three, beginning in verse eight. But now you must put them all away, anger and wrath and malice and slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, uh, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on, here it is, the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. And Paul carries that language over into Ephesians chapter four to put off that old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That there is this renewal process that takes place when we commit our lives to Christ. And some of us, we may be here this morning and, 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 and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. All this stuff applies to us because we still have a tendency sometimes to fall away to allow sin a foothold in our life, and sin begets sin. It's never just one thing, it's one, it turns into two, that turns into four, that turns into eight. It multiplies in our life because when Satan gets a stronghold in there, he sets up shop. It's not like, well, I got this little corner of his life, I'm happy with that. He is, he is all about conquering a Christian. Not just weakening them, but he wants to defeat them. And how does he do it? He does it. One of, one of his avenues is he does it through sin. Because that sin separates us from God. It separates us from his power. It separates us from his truth. And we wallow in that sin long enough, then we're no longer like, respo like responsive to God's conviction on our hearts. And some of us in here, we may need God to remove some sin. For others of us, it may, need, may mean that we need God to just remind us of the redemption, that we were bought with a price. And that price was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that that's how much he loved us. That doesn't matter what maybe you've fallen into, that God still loves you and still wants a relationship with you. That God repairs what is broken. And it doesn't matter how new a car is that you may own, there are still repairs that are gonna need to be made. Maintenance that's gonna need to be done. And we need God to do those things in our hearts to keep us, to keep us, going the way that we need to be going for his kingdom and let him restore us. And some of us, you know, one time I bought a Jeep. I bought an old Jeep. Ashley remembers, you probably haven't thought about this in a long time, have you? I bought an old 1976 CJ, four-speed transmission. I got a deal on it. I got to pay like 300 bucks for this thing, right? And you can imagine what kind of Jeep I got for $300, Okay. But I bought it, it was right before we moved here. I bought it the summer before we moved up here because my father-in-law lived 30 minutes away. He had a shop and it was gonna be a project that he and I could do together. 
know what happened with that restoration project? <laughs> it didn't go very far. I sold it a little, not too long after we moved back here or moved up here. But sometimes we buy these projects. Ashley and I, again, it's these, it, and how? You can think of it as your house too. I bought a gallon of paint three years ago to paint a bathroom. Guess what's not done yet? You know what I'm saying? Like we think like we have these intentions of doing things. And then for some reason, like in the process of doing them, we burn out or in the process of it, like we don't get the restoration done. I tell you what I see a lot of times when people, you know, they, they've got some problem and that problem in life is what brings them to church. And that problem gets a little bit better. It's not well, it's just a little bit better. And they say, well, I'm a little bit better. So I'm just going to quit coming. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. And we never see the fruition of what God desires to do in a person's life because we never give God the opportunity to do the full restoration. We, we, don't, we need tires and fenders and transmissions and motor. We are a bucket of bolts when we walk in and we get a new pair of shoes on and we're like, man, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I can go conquer the world. But there's no motor to drive the thing. And Christ is that motor. He's the motivation. He is the, the drive. He is the strength. He is the courage. He provides the endurance. He gives us all these things that you and I need in our walk with Christ. And we cannot stop the process short because your life is of infinite more value than a Jeep is or whatever restoration project you may be thinking of. God wants to do the thing from beginning to end and we say, well, what's the end look like? The end looks like when we finally leave this earth and we go to be with Jesus. He says, he who began a good work with you in you will see it through to completion. And that process in our lives is never over. It's never over. This guy's process was not over. It began the moment he could walk. In fact, I wanna, I wanna show you something else as we read. Now, this is a side note, but look at... Look at Verse nine, he says that once the man was healed, he was healed, made whole, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man, now get this, here is a man that they had passed by so many times moving in and out of Jerusalem. They see a man holding his mat and that he had been healed and they say to him, it's the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. What? <laughs> the dude was lame, and now he is walking. A Pharisee will always see a mat and will always miss a miracle. And we have to be careful that we don't miss a miracle and, and, and chastise someone for what they're doing or not doing in a particular day. If they've come to Christ, give God time to do his work. Amen. Don't stare at the mat and miss the miracle. And that's what these Pharisees did. This dude's walking and they're wanting like, hey, bro, it's the, it's the Sabbath. Picking up your mat is work and you're working and that's a sin. That's basically what they were telling him. And, and, and so it goes on and, and notice what happens. But he answers, he says, the man who healed me, that man said, take up my mat and walk. Are there not some things in our life that Jesus calls us to do, but society says, yeah, that's not really acceptable in society. And what do we do? We cower to the demands of society. We cower to culture and not the word. Again, just side notes to get to the point that I want to make. And so they asked him, who's this man that said, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who'd been healed didn't know for, you know, Jesus said there was a crowd and Jesus was withdrawn into the place. 
And look at this, verse 14, afterward Jesus found him, and said in the te- found him in the temple and said to him, see, you're well. But look what he says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The healing, the restoration, that moment was but the beginning. And he says, I want you to go and I don't want you to sin anymore that something worse may happen to you. And I had a thought this morning. I had a thought, and this was just, but I was sitting in my office this morning, I was reading and reading and reading over this text, just seeing if there was anything that I'd kind of missed. And I thought about this. Is there anything worse than not being able to do the things that you want to do? How many of us take for granted that we got up this morning and got to come to church? That maybe we got out of bed a little slower than we did maybe a few years ago, but we didn't have to call anybody for help to get us, to get us out of bed. How many of us are, we have a freedom to do what we, what we want to do, what we like to do. When that freedom's taken away from us, like to me, that's torture, right? Break a leg and you can't go do what you want or you get sick and you can't go do the things that you enjoy doing. Like there's a, there's a very discouraging aspect of that. And Jesus is telling this guy, he's saying, listen, go and send no more that something worse Man, and I'm thinking, what's worse? You know what I mean? Like, what could be, and I'm thinking, I know exactly what's worse. Jesus coming into the, onto the earth, and Mark, his first words are, man, the kingdom of God's at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. And there's a heaven, and there's a hell, and those are real, literal places. What's worse? Spending an eternity separated from God in a place of eternal punishment. Like, that's worse. That's the bad stuff. Jesus says, listen, I did something in your life. Don't cheapen it. Don't disregard it. But change the way that you're living your life. Don't look to a pool anymore. Look to me. I'm going to close. This is the last thing I'm going to say. If you don't get anything out of here, here's the thing that you need to remember this morning. Jesus can. You don't have to remember all the re-words. If you can remember that Jesus can, and you're facing something difficult, and you say, you know what? Jesus can. Life is hard, but Jesus can. This sickness is, 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 is tearing me up. Jesus can. I don't know what I'm going to do after this. Jesus can. And we remember what Jesus can do. This man was sick for 38 years. For 38 years, he was waiting for healing and Jesus can and Jesus did. And, he, and, and it was Jesus who completed it. And Jesus makes that same offer to us this morning. Jesus can and Jesus will. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.